Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning. It's great to see you here this morning. It's great to be with you here this morning. I want to wish everyone a happy Memorial Day weekend. We are so grateful for all the people who have allowed us to enjoy the freedom that we do. You know, we're going to continue our series on close to home. We've talked about how God wants us to be successful, not just in our occupation, but in all areas of our life, how God wants us to be healthy, of course, physically, but as well, our souls to be healthy. And this morning, I'm going to be talking about how God wants us to be free and what a fitting time on Memorial Day weekend as we enjoy our freedom. So let's pause and let's pray before we get started. God, we are grateful. We are grateful for the blessings that we enjoy, the the freedom, Lord, that we can take so easily for granted, Lord, but we know that it was at a tremendous cost, and there are still those who are serving and watching over our safety, Lord. We pray for their safety as well. And I pray, God, that we would not only enjoy our time this weekend as we have an extra day off, or many of us do, uh, but we would be grateful, God, for the things that we have, that we would be mindful of all those who have so much less than we do. And Lord, that we would be generous, even as Ben had mentioned, Lord, to give to the needs that are around us, to where we see the need, whether it be financial, whether it be even emotional, Lord, that we'd be willing to step into those areas and give of what we have. We thank you for this morning and our time together, Lord. May it be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I am going to be talking about Led Zeppelin, Fences and Pools, Tiger Woods, and a Hebrew word. When I first became a follower of Christ, there was an incredible sense of freedom that I experienced. There was kind of a a veil lifting off of my life. I don't know how else to explain it. I I used to go to bed haunted by what is the meaning, what is the purpose of life, and and I felt like that there was just this meaninglessness. And it seemed like all the things that I have tried to fill this meaninglessness with had failed. And I said a a prayer and I thought, I'm going to give this Jesus a try. And and it just seemed to me like a a good way to change my life. 
And, and to my surprise, something changed. I wasn't expecting all that happened within me, and, and I started having this sense of freedom. I had this sense of not being fearful, and, and I didn't know what it was except Jesus had come in and touched my life. But as I started following Christ and started going to church, there started to become these things that were, I don't know if they were required of me, but this, this sense, you know how when you're in a group of people and everyone's doing something or not doing something that you feel the pressure to either do it or not do it as well, right? If no one's dancing to the music, I'm not going to dance, you know, it's like, no one's dancing, so you feel compelled to not dance. That's how it started to take place in my life. All of a sudden, there were these things that if I was going to belong to this Jesus club that I had to start doing or not doing. And one of the things is I had to change the music I listened to. And I had to give up my Led Zeppelin albums. And I would like them back, truthfully. I... I and so it was one of these things where it's like, okay, since you're following Jesus, you have to listen to this kind of music and you need to, to stop listening to this kind of music. And it's like, well, what do I do with these hundreds of dollars that I spent on albums? And they said, well, you just need to, you know, give them away. But then some people said, oh no, you don't give them away because then they have those albums and those albums are bad. And so you just need to burn them. And I was like, well, burn them. You know, it's like, no, I can't do this. And there were other things, too. I had to stop drinking. Now, of course, I was under 21 at the time. But anyway, we won't go into that. <laughs> I had to stop doing things that I had become accustomed to. I had to even change some of the, the friends that I hung around with and the way I spoke. And all of a sudden, the things that I was doing started to become this limitation in my freedom started to become less free and more of an obligation. And to belong to this church, to this belief, I had to follow these rules that seemed to be taking away freedom and, instead of giving it. And in fact, one of the reasons we started Genesis is because we wanted to create a space where people would not spend their time being conformed to the expectations of others, but began to actually live out the freedoms that Jesus died for. And to not be held back because of a, a tradition that was put on us, not by God, but by men. And I found myself having to chip away all these things that really were given to me by people, not by God. And so turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 13 and 14. Galatians chapter 5. It says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the church that Paul is writing to there in Galatia was a church that had come from a very strict traditional foundation. And they were going back to a lot of the things that they were used to. And Paul was having to write them and say, 
you don't have to go back to those things. There is a freedom you are able to live in and the laws that you were once held to, you're not held to those anymore. They don't apply to you because something new has come and has set you free from the obligation because that obligation has been fulfilled by God. And when I think of obligation and I think of freedom, I think about how there's a difference when my children do what pleases me because they want to as opposed to when they have to. Right? When you ask them to do something and they grumble and walk off and do it, it's like, well, at least they did it. You know, I, I'm glad for that. But when they say, oh, here, dad, I'll do that, then it's kind of like, what? And a tear falls from my eyes. You love me. You really love me. You're just surprised at those things. Or maybe you're not. Maybe your kids do those things. See, I may not know a whole lot about you, but I know this, that you were called to be free. It's what God's desire is for you. And God will never take you to a place that makes you smaller, that makes you less, that suffocates your creativity, that stifles who you are supposed to be. What God is wanting to do is unleash all that he has created you to be. And so any religious system, any people, any work situation that brings you into a place of bondage or starts to take away your freedom is not God's intention. And religion is not supposed to be a warden to lock you in to make sure you don't do the wrong things. You know, in verse 13, he says, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. And I think what we have a tendency to do, or at least what I have a tendency to do, is when I hear the negative, I focus on that, right? Have you ever been in a a situation at work where the boss calls you in and they say, hey, I need to talk to you about some things, and then already you're feeling a little uneasy, like, oh, no, I'm in trouble. The boss never calls me in for anything good. And they call you and they say, hey, I just want to commend you. You're doing a great job. You know, this is going well. You're here on time. You're exceeding the expectations, blah, 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 blah. But there's one thing. And they tell you that one thing. And that's all you think about is the one thing, right? They could have told you 25 great things, but the one thing is like, oh, they don't like me. Oh, what's going on here? I'm in danger. I'm going to lose my job. Oh, no. You know, they just told you all the great things you're doing, but that one thing just eats at you. And I think so many times we have this way of focusing on the negative and we miss the point. The whole point is that you've been called to be free. But then we start hammering in on that negative because we think if we put that negative so paramount in your mind, then it will keep you from doing the things you shouldn't and then you'll be free. But what ends up happening is we end up being so focused on those things that we actually spend our energy worrying about what we shouldn't do instead of giving ourselves to what we should do. And when I talk to people and hear what they think about Christianity, it normally comes about as, oh, you don't want to do this and you can't do that and you don't believe in this. And it becomes this list of things that we don't do instead of something that we do do. 
And I have found that if I would just spend my energy doing the things and living the life I should live, then I don't end up worrying about the things I shouldn't do because I'm too busy doing the things I should do. Right? When I'm excited about something, it's easy to do it. When I'm not excited about something like painting the house, I can find a million reasons why I can't. Right? I mean, my back is hurting me. I don't have the time. It's going to cost too much money. But if it's to go to a baseball game, especially a Dodger game, but thank you guys for the Angel game, I can find the time, right? I can make the way to go to something that I like to. Why? Because the energy is there. What happens when our life is excited about the things that are good that we can do, about enjoying the freedom that we have so that we can create the life that God has intended us to live? All of a sudden, life becomes exciting and you start living and enjoying it. And it's the difference between fences and pools. I've shared this before from Alan and Deb Hirsch's book, Untamed. You know, in a large space like in Australia where they have these open ranches, they cannot build a fence to keep all the animals in. Whatever kind of animals they have out there in Australia, kangaroos and whatever you're herding, right? And so they don't build fences because they just can't. What they do is they make pools and they fill them with water because the animals will come to the water and stay there by the water. And instead of trying to cage them in, they just provide what they need and they stay there themselves. And you see, this is what God is doing. He's providing what we need and that is a freedom a freedom that our soul longs for, a freedom that our life needs, a freedom to be able to enjoy God and enjoy the life he's given us. But what happens is he refreshes us with himself and his presence and the things that he offers that it holds us. And that excitement that I felt, that unbelievable sense of freedom that I had, that was the pool of water. But all of a sudden, these fences started going up saying, don't do this, don't do this. And pretty soon, I lost sight of the water, and I just started building fences. Make sure my kids don't do this. Make sure we don't do that. Oh, we better not watch that. Oh, we better not talk to them. We better not do this. Oh, what are they doing? Oh, no, we can't hang around with them because they might affect us. And all of a sudden, I am in a fenced area and I'm doing no good to anybody and I'm not free at all. I'm actually living under a bondage of a belief system that has told me all the things I can't do. And that has become my focus. If we spend our time living fully, I don't think we have to worry so much about all the don'ts. They start to become what they really are. And those are hindrances to the freedom that God has. Have you ever noticed how many laws there are to restrict our freedoms? That's what laws are for, right? They're they're there to stop you from doing something. They're to force you to behave a certain way. Right? And that's what laws are for. Have you ever been driving in the middle of the night? Maybe it's like 2 a.m. You shouldn't be out at 2 a.m., but if you are and you're driving home, and, and there you go, and you, you're coming home, and you're coming to a, a signal, and it's green, and you're happy because you'll get to get home soon, and then it turns yellow, and you can't beat it. You know you can't beat it, so you have to hit the brakes, and you stop, and there's no one there. Right? 
and you're stopped and you're looking like, why am I here? Why am I stopped? There is no reason to be stopped here except the man is holding me down, right? (laughs) And you're so perplexed because you're thinking, this light is not here to stop this. And then you slowly, you know, you think the light's broken because it should have turned green by now. And so you slowly start creeping forward because you figure if you do it slow, it's okay. And really, you're just looking for police, right? You're just looking for police. And then when you're halfway through, it's like, well, I'm already halfway through. So then you go ahead and go through. I know you've never done that. You see, the law isn't there. That light isn't there for that person at 2 a.m. when there's no one around. That law is there because during the middle of the day, when all the cars are there, there needs to be some kind of organization. Otherwise, there'll be chaos. Otherwise, people will be going crazy. That's how it is in Haiti, right? If you're in Haiti and there's no signals, there's some now, but still they don't matter so much. And it's kind of like, hey, man, it's like Grand Theft Auto for real, right? I mean, you're just kind of dealing with all these cars. What would happen if everyone was just courteous? Have you ever gone to a four-way stop, right? You stop and you get there a little bit before the person to your left and you know that the person on the right has the right of way, but you're feeling gracious, right? And maybe like three cars stop, you know, two on the side and you get there a little before them and before this other person and you just kind of like, hey, go ahead. And you let them, you feel so gracious, right? You just go on. And then you start to go and the other starts, car starts pulling. You're like, whoa, wait a second, right? Okay, I was gracious. Now it's your turn, right? What would happen if we were all just gracious? We're just, no, go ahead. Okay, yeah, I'll take turns. Or you go to the grocery store, right? And you're getting in line and then someone opens up the new check stand, right? And there's like five carts, you know, and you're there. And it's like, okay, it's a mad dash to get into that line, right? And you kind of just do the sneaky shoulder. You just kind of slide in. What would happen if you just were like, no, go ahead, right? Just show courtesy, showing kindness. But the laws are there because that's not what we normally do. I mean, you think about the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. They have to have laws because people will try to put things in food to save money that are actually harmful to us. Think about that. They have to make laws to stop people from poisoning us. Otherwise, they will try to do what they can to make ends better, and it can cause harm to us. Or even the banks. There's regulations in banking. So they don't take money from people, invest it, and then cheat people out of their money. Because we know that would never happen. Why are there those laws? Because we need them. We need those laws because people would rather make money or gain power than care for others. How much money is being spent by regulating our behavior because we do not regulate it ourselves. See, in verse 1 of chapter 5, he says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, 
then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It's for freedom that he set us free. Of course. What else is it for, right? Well, the whole point is he has set you free so that you can actually be free. It seems redundant, but look at us. We keep making choices that steal our freedom. And so laws are put to try and maintain those things so we don't abuse the freedoms that we have. Years ago, when Tiger Woods was in the headlines for not good reasons, you know, here was someone who was at the top of his game one of the most successful golfers in the world. And he had a failure. And not trying to make light or little of his failure, we would want to do that to nobody, to no human being. We don't want to use their failure for any cause that we can. But when this had happened and after this had happened, a journalist was interviewing Tiger Woods And the journalist asked, how could you lie to so many for so long? Which I think is funny for a journalist to ask, right? How can you lie to so many for so long? And what Tiger Woods said is, because I first lied to myself. The question that I have, again, not to celebrate his mistakes, that would be, the follow-up question would be, what did you lie to yourself about? Did you lie to yourself about the fact that you would never be caught, that it would never show up? Or did you lie to yourself in that what you were doing you thought would actually bring fulfillment and happiness? Because I think that's where the real question is, and that's where the real problem lies. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and, you know, we have a way of dealing with the things that have cost us our freedom, that have cost us so much. And we look back and we say, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that because of what happened. Sometimes we're even upset at God, like, God, how could you allow this to happen to me? And you see, God has said that he's going to give us freedom, but it's not freedom from our choices. It's not freedom from the consequences. And so much of the problems we have are because of the choices we make that actually take our freedoms away. And we think if we do these things, we'll find fulfillment. If we live this life, if we seek this thing to please ourselves, we'll find the freedom. And a lot of times it seems like life is meaningless because we think the freedom is to be spent on ourselves to consume all we can. But that's not what it's there for. See, in verse 13, he says, rather serve one another humbly in love. This is what freedom looks like, is actually serving one another in love. It's actually giving of ourselves. It's not about all you can get. It's really about what can you give. Freedom isn't consuming all you can. It's about creating and giving 
all that you can. There's a word in the Hebrew. It's called kavod or kavod, K-A-V-O-D. And originally it was a financial term where they would weigh things and you to get sure make sure you're getting the proper amount of what you're paying for there would be a kavod a weighing of these things that was to balance these things out but as time moved on the word started to adapt into a more deep and spiritual meaning where although it meant weight it also meant glory And it was something that was ascribed to God. In Psalm 106, verse 20, it says, They exchanged the glorious God, the kavod God, for an image of a bull which eats grass. Which sounds funny. You see, here's something that is weighty. Here's something that has substance. And you're instead trading it in for this. You're missing the point. You're settling for less than what is actually intended. There is the kavod, the glorious weight of who God really is. And they exchanged it for a bull that eats grass and worshiping that. And we might not worship bulls that eat grass. I hope not. But what do we spend our lives for? What are we living for? What is the the central focus of our life? And so many times I find that it's all about how I can get more. How can I succeed? How can I get more money? How can I get a better house, better job, better car, better things? And there's nothing wrong with those things. But where is the kavod when you're weighing your life? There is an old rabbinic story of the children of Israel as they're crossing the Red Sea. And as they're crossing the Red Sea, they're looking down and they're just complaining about how the water has left the the ground muddy and it's all in their sandals and it's dragging all their things are getting dirty. And they're so worried about all these things that are coming across that they fail to look up and see the walls of their liberation. Freedom was happening, but all they could see was the misery that they were in. And when we start living for consumption, we start living in that misery. Our our lives become muddy with all the things we want and all the things that we don't have. And the kavod, the weight of who God is and the freedom he offers is missed. And we fail to see these things. We equate fun with freedom and exchange true freedom for something without weight. Where is the most freedom found? At a nightclub or at an AA meeting? You see, one might be really fun, but one might change your life. And I've been to some meetings. They're not usually that glamorous. The coffee's usually pretty bad. But there's an honesty that takes place there. There's a kavod. There's a weight that brings with it freedom because there's a recognition that needs to take place in their lives. Jesus said in John 8, 31, to the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
familiar verse, right? You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I've always thought that this is just about if you know Jesus, then you're free. But that is not what this verse is saying. The word that is used for know there is the word gnosis. It means to experience. And what he says first is if you hold to my teachings, if you're really my disciples, in other words, if you follow me, then you will know, you will experience the truth and experiencing that truth will set you free. You see, if you live that life, you will find freedom in the life that you live. It's not just if you know the right information, you'll be set free. It's if you walk in that life of freedom, then you find the freedom. It's if you are his follower, if you walk like Jesus, if you live like Jesus, then the truth of who he is and what life is about will be your freedom. But when will we understand that it's not about how much we can get, it's about how we give of ourselves that produces the freedom that we want for. I have never been as free as when I'm loving my children or my grandchildren. I have never been so blessed as when I'm able to actually give selflessly to others. All of a sudden there is a new level, a new kavod of what life is about. But so often I get baited by Amazon. (laughs) And it's just a click away. And it's even now subtle. Billions of dollars are being spent on bait clicking. You know, I will just look on Facebook to see, oh, look at what happened. They posted, oh, there was a birthday party. And then off to the side, What are the five most needed things in your life, right? I don't know, but I need to know. Click, right? And then you know what it's like. You know, 10 clicks later, 30 minutes later, you're there and you're looking at, you know, Mark Wahlberg's home that he just bought, you know? And you're like, how did I get here? What what am I doing here? And I just bought something. What did I buy? I I get caught up on so many things. Because I think those things will provide what I need. But that's not where the value is found. Verse 36 of John 8, he says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. What does this mean if you are in the example of Christ? You're in the example of freedom. If you're walking like Christ, you're walking in the freedom to live how God has intended you to live, not bound by this obligation to appear some way to some people, whether it's in status and success to the people you work with or whether it's in spirituality to the church you go to. It's actually in generosity and giving to the people around you. And that's where it shows up. Have you ever wondered why if God is so powerful, why doesn't he just impose himself on humanity? Why doesn't he just make us do the right things so that all the evils in the world, all the the hurts, so that there are no more children dying at school, so that there are no more kids living in poverty, there are no more people starving to death. Why doesn't God just impose himself so that things could be right? It's because he doesn't treat you like a slave. He allows us to choose freely. And if you will choose his freedom, 
it will actually change the world around you. It's an amazing thing that God would bank everything on love and giving you the freedom. Where Paul could tell the Corinthians, all things are lawful, but not everything's good. You can do whatever you want. That should make you think. Where is the weight in what I choose? What am I going to choose? How will I use the weight of this freedom? Will it be for my own consumption? Will it be for those who are around me? Because if you will know the truth, you will be set free. Whoever the Son sets free, whoever walks like Jesus, is free indeed. Let's pray. Father, freedom is such a powerful thing. It has changed the course of history as people have fought for freedom of people who have sought for freedom. Governments have been overthrown as people desire freedom. And yet, Lord, most importantly is not the freedom we attain. It's the freedom we desire. And I pray, God, that there would be wisdom in our lives to see what we choose to live for. That the freedoms that we desire and have have weight or are empty. And God, if we are seeking to satisfy our lives, thinking that these things, these bulls that eat grass, these toys made by men, these things sold that will rust and fade will in some way provide fulfillment in our lives. God, if we are giving that weight, may we change. And I pray, Father, for an awakening within our hearts to see that true freedom shows up in how we give. That love is sacrifice and caring. Lord, may we be known for that. May all people know that we are your disciples because we love one another, because we live like you. And in living like you, may we be the freest people in the world. I do pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. You know, I want to present something to you because I don't know where we all are, but maybe you're at a place where this idea of living like Jesus sounds inviting, but you're not quite sure how that takes place. Jesus said to learn of me and that you would find rest for your souls. For his burden is easy and light. 
And so my answer for you, if you're asking that question, is to learn about Christ. Learn who he was. Understand his teachings. You can do that by coming here to church. You can do that by asking maybe someone who knows a little bit more about that. But understand this. He's called you to freedom. He's called you to be the fullest potential of who you can be. And may you recognize that you've been called to be free. And your freedom is powerful and can change not only your life, but the life of those around you. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.